Hello and welcome to episode 156 of the UK True Crime Weekly podcast. I'm Adam. Today's episode from Birmingham involves a night out at the pub that ended terribly. An environment that you and I both know well, too well in my case sometimes, and how life can change forever when a normal night out for a couple went so horribly wrong. Before we begin, a very happy birthday to Cambo and the excellent True Crime Island, three years today. I'll raise a beer later to say congratulations on this achievement. I love the birthday show, pal, and a big shout out also to True Crime fan Jason Abercrombie for sorting out all the birthday messages. Well done, guys. I'm delighted that this episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is the UK's leading recipe box service, delivering fresh pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes to your door. It's the easy, convenient way to cook delicious dinners from scratch every time. Choose your favourites from 19 recipes every week, including rapid recipes ready in 20 minutes or less, family favourites, British and world cuisine, and even lower calorie balance recipes. And because all the fresh ingredients come direct from the suppliers, pre-portioned for you, there's no food waste. I enjoy HelloFresh as it allows me to produce awesome family-friendly dishes to share that even my children love, making it easy to cook fresh meals and to eat together. And I value the flexibility. HelloFresh has a flexible subscription with no minimum term, so you can skip weeks, change box size, and even the delivery address to suit your life. You might be in Rochdale, for example. Enjoy delicious moments with HelloFresh. Head to hellofresh.co.uk, choose a box, a delivery slot, and add your favourite recipes. Discover the easy way to delicious dinners from scratch. HelloFresh are offering you £60 of four boxes. Just visit hellofresh.co.uk and enter the code TRUECRIME at the checkout to enjoy delicious dinners without the drama. That's hellofresh.co.uk and use the code TRUECRIME. As always, a huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, but especially the new members of this exclusive club. That is Roshan, Maffy and Johnny B. Thank you all so much for your support, which is really appreciated. The new Patreon episode this month was especially shocking about a couple who murdered a man and then took selfies and had sex by the body for five days. Take a listen at patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. And for my latest article pondering on the always entertaining subject of podcasting reviews, please pop over to UKTrueCrime.com. Let's briefly set some context for today's story by taking a very quick look at the music we were listening to at the time of today's events, the 30th of September 2017. Sam Smith topped the UK charts with Too Good for Goodbyes, In the US, the number one spot was held by Taylor Swift with Look What You Made Me Do. And in Australia, the top album was by the awesome Foo Fighters with Concrete and Gold. In the news this month, Hurricane Irma made landfall on the Caribbean islands of Barbuda, St Martins and British Virgin Islands. Prime Minister Gaston Brown reported that 95% of buildings in Barbuda were damaged. Catalonia's parliament passed a law to allow a referendum on independence from Spain, with over one million marching on this state's national day in Barcelona, 
in support of independence for Catalonia. I love Barcelona, one of my favourite cities, and head there whenever possible. I was there this month and they were incredible times. England footballer Shrek Rooney pleaded guilty to drunk driving and was banned for two years. And in at least one way, Saudi Arabia was dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st century, announcing it was overturning its ban on women driving, the last country in the world to do so. I know, unbelievable. And in UK true crime news, a blast and a fire on a tube train at Parsons Green Station in southwest London was treated as a terrorist attack. There were 29 injuries, but thankfully no deaths. The UK terror threat was raised to its highest level. Today's story is from Hall Green, Birmingham, to the southeast of England's second city, with a population of around 26,000 people. Comedian Tony Hancock, legendary F1 commentator Murray Walker, and very, very interesting F1 legend Nigel Mansell are all from here. As was Tolkien, author of the Hobbit series, which are, as listeners will know, some of my favourite literature of films. <coughs> Excuse me. 54-year-old Gary Twist lived in Hall Green. He worked hard at Jaguar Land Rover's Solihull plant and had a busy life out of work. He was a Birmingham City fan and was pretty sporty himself. Although not a physically large man at 5'11", he played American football to a pretty high standard for the Birmingham Bulls and Redditch Arrows and used his speed and reading of the game to outmanoeuvre bigger units on the field. And in his younger days, he'd been a useful boxer. He was a huge music fan, and growing up in the 70s and 80s, he'd been a big part of the mod revival scene, known amongst his friends for his large vinyl collection, and a love for old soul and funk music, Paul Weller and The Who. He dressed apart and loved going to see live music, whether a major event or just a smaller gathering at a local pub. He especially enjoyed R&B and soul music. Although friendly and outgoing, with loads of friends, he also liked to spend some quieter time on his own reading books. On the 30th of September, Twister, as he was known to pals, headed off to their local pub for a drink, the College Arms, to meet his girlfriend, 54-year-old Rosie. It was a friendly local place which tended to attract the older crowd. And if you look at some of the reviews now, you'll get a feel for the type of venue it is. For example, nice people and beer and free pool table, nice atmosphere and staff friendly. This was just to be a normal night at the pub for the couple, the same as you've probably enjoyed many times. A time and a place to relax, unwind and temporarily forget about the problems in your life as you enjoy an evening with your partner, friends or maybe share the ups and if it's the mighty Leeds United, the downs of a sporting event with others. Whatever the reason, it should be fun, right? Former squaddy, 32-year-old Simon Corrie was also in the pub that Saturday night. The day before on the Friday... He'd been working for a local engineering company, carrying out groundworks nearby. When he was done, he wanted to relax, which for him involved alcohol and cocaine, and he went to a nearby pub with a friend 
to buy £50 worth of cocaine from a dealer and then on to the college arms for some more alcohol and to take some of the drugs. From there he headed to the house of another friend where he took more cocaine and drank some rum. It was in the early hours when he left the house for a girlfriend's, stopping off for another £50 of cocaine and when he arrived he carried on taking the drugs and drinking rum until 6am on Saturday morning. Does that sound like your usual Friday night too? My idea of going large nowadays is staying up to the end of question time. He dozed on the couch for a while before heading off to another friend's to get some more drinking done and to take some more drugs and then going to another local pub to meet his dealer to get yet more drugs. It was then back to the friend's house until about 8.30pm on the Saturday evening when he made his way back to the College Arms. But whereas Simeon felt he was great company, pleasant and chatty, talking to people, he was in fact being a first-class pain in the neck, with that complete lack of self-awareness that we've all seen in people who've been drinking heavily and or taking drugs. At one stage after he'd been banned from buying any more drinks, he even jumped over the bar and stole a bottle of red wine, and he held it aloft like a child pleased with what he had achieved. He then went over to Rosie and Gary, who were in the pub, putting his arm around Gary's waist and giving Rosie compliments in an over-familiar and unwanted manner. He also kept on touching Rosie's jewellery and commenting on just how much he liked it. Simeone had appeared highly strung and agitated to locals all night, and at one stage the landlord of the pub had asked him to leave, which led to a heated exchange where he aggressively disagreed, saying it was his pub and if necessary he would take everyone on. The staff knew Gary and Rosie, they were popular locals, so the harassment of Rosie was really not appreciated. It was so bad that later in the evening, one of the bar staff had taken Simeone outside herself and told him just to leave Rosie alone. At 11ish, Gary and Rosie felt it was time to call it a night and they bought a bottle of wine to head home with. As they left, Simeone was there by the door and he followed them out into the road. Shortly afterwards, both Gary and Rosie had been assaulted by him. He then left the scene and Rosie called 999 to get both her and Gary medical assistance. When medical experts arrived at the scene of the attack, Rosie had suffered an injury to her lip, which was pretty deep, and another above one of her eyes. They'd been caused by a sharp-edged object, which could include broken glass. And Gary was in a much, much worse condition. He was unconscious. He was critical with life-threatening injuries. He was rushed to hospital with a fractured skull and had suffered serious injuries to his head, including a blood clot on his brain. Simeon Corrie, meanwhile, described by witnesses as wobbly, drunk and loud, covered in blood from the assaults and still carrying a bottle, headed to a nearby Indian restaurant to get some food. He told his fellow diners he'd been attacked and was annoyed and upset by this. But once again, as in the pub, he was an utter nuisance in the restaurant, sitting with a group of girls where he wasn't wanted and refusing to leave them. At first, it didn't really matter, but after a while, it got beyond a joke and the group were anxious about what Corey might be capable of 
and one called Police, who also faced aggression from him when they arrested him. Meanwhile at the hospital, surgeons did what they could to help Gary and operated in an effort to reduce swelling on his brain. But Gary never regained consciousness, and two weeks after the terrible attack, Gary's family took the heartbreaking decision to switch off his life support system. And just three weeks after his death, Gary's mum, Mavis, who'd been unwell for some time, died, leaving his dad, Les, all alone. Later, when interviewed by detectives, Corey said that he didn't agree with what people had said about his behaviour at the pub. And as for Rosie, he hadn't been out of order with her and had spoken perfectly normal to her just to say how much he liked the ring she was wearing, just like he did to others in the pub that evening. He said that he had taken the bottle of wine from the pub expecting to pay for it later, denying it was stolen. He continued that he didn't follow Rosie and Gary, it was just coincidental they left around the same time, and he was wandering up the road when he saw the couple having a heated argument. When Gary recognised him, he claimed, he accused him of chatting up Rosie and attacked him, hitting Corrie, who in self-defence had reacted by striking Gary with the bottle just the once, only to see Gary fall heavily to the floor. He insisted he had not touched Rosie, and how she had received her injuries were a mystery, and all he could think was the glass from the bottle he had used to strike Gary may have hit her. He said he was shaken by the incident and had left the couple walking up the road to their home as he'd headed off to the restaurant, his memory of which was all a bit blank and he couldn't remember much about his time there or even getting arrested. The pathologist told detectives that one of Gary's skull fractures was due to his head hitting the ground and a second fracture was caused by a very heavy impact such as a blow from an unbroken bottle or stamping. A post-mortem examination showed that Corrie was lying about being attacked by Gary as skin from Gary's knuckles was removed to show that he hadn't thrown a single punch. It had been an unprovoked attack. Detectives were clear about the reality about what had happened and this was backed up by a number of witnesses. One woman who had a flat overlooking the incident said she heard shouting and saw a man lying on the ground and another man standing above him. The man standing above him stamped on his head three or four times with tremendous force. She saw a person lying next to him and only when she moved realised she was a lady and she had blood on her face. The attacker, who was drinking from a bottle, then went away. It was clear to detectives that Simeone Corey had taunted the couple as they tried to head away from the pub back home before Corey had not gone to the ground and stamped on his head at least three times. Rosie was attacked with a wine bottle as she desperately tried to save Gary from more violence. Simeone Corey was charged with the murder of Gary Twist. At the trial, Corey denied murder and said it was a fight with Gary, not a one-sided attack, and stuck to the line that he was only defending himself. The prosecuting QC was not impressed. And in his summing up, he said, From start to finish, you can be quite sure that Simeone Corrie was looking for violence. As soon as Corrie and his friend entered the bar area of the College Arms, the atmosphere changed for the worse, 
with Corey being aggressive and annoying to staff and customers. He was so intimidating that he was allowed to leave that public house with a stolen bottle. Whereas in contrast, Gary and Rosie had just tried to avoid the unwanted attention of the younger man and they did their level best to avoid Corrie. The jury didn't need long to reach a verdict on Simone Corrie, who was, to his surprise and obvious disgust, quickly found guilty of all charges. Before the judge announced his sentence, the QC for Corrie revealed that his client had convictions for possession of controlled drugs and drunken disorderly but he'd never committed any offences of violence and had always been in employment since leaving school with no qualifications. Arriving back at Birmingham Crown Court, the judge turned to Corrie and told him that he accepted he had not stolen the bottle to use as a weapon. But this did not take away from the severity of the attack. The judge said, You showed no mercy on the night and no mercy since. He said that Corrie was everyone's nightmare a drunken man looking to intimidate and provoke violence, adding, You ranted at them, and you subjected them to the most vicious and savage attack for no obvious reason whatsoever. The injuries you inflicted on Mr Twist were unsurprisingly catastrophic. The judge sentenced Corrie to life imprisonment and ordered he must serve a minimum of 20 years before being considered for release. He passed a concurrent sentence of three and a half years for the assault on Rosie. As he was led away, the previously quiet Corrie suddenly let out a loud scream and the court heard two banging noises as he was taken down to the cells. After the trial, Gary's close friend since childhood, Pete Bevins, spoke for the family to the Birmingham Mail saying, Corrie is a man lacking empathy or compassion. There was no remorse visible. As the judge read out his sentence, which took six or seven minutes, I was hoping for signs of remorse. I was looking for his suffering. What I saw was agitation. He was disputing things and shaking his head. He insulted the judge and punched a wall. I was there four days, and that was the very first sign of emotion. Rosie is really struggling, said Pete. She's devastated and is withdrawn. She went to court to give her evidence and that was the first time she really saw the man responsible. That was horrendously difficult for her. That night Rosie was cowering trying to protect her boyfriend. She was screaming. It's hard to comprehend the nightmare she went through. And Gary's mum died three weeks after he did. She had stomach cancer but it was under control. Then the stress, grief and shock made it flare up again. She just gave up. No one can tell me she didn't die because of Corrie. Les is now alone, left to rattle around. The court case was tough, a terrible ordeal, but the overriding emotion is relief. The great fear was that justice would not be done, and in the end, justice has been done. Outside court, Gary's sister Leander told the press, This vicious and brutal attack was unwarranted. He was my only sibling and I miss him terribly. We have now lost faith in any goodness. Days out and holidays will never be the same. Hundreds of people attended his funeral because he was loved and adored by the people who knew him. The sentence was welcomed by West Midlands police, they said. Sadly, Mr Twist and his partner were simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
Curry took out his frustration on the couple having been refused a drink. He made unpleasant comments and tried to provoke a confrontation. Fearing trouble, they walked away, but Curry followed them and launched a savage and totally unprovoked attack on them both. There is no place in a civilised society for people like Cory, and he's rightly been put behind bars for a long time. So what do you make of what we've heard today? As we've heard so often on this podcast, it was a case of being in the wrong place at the wrong time and just happening to meet the man of your nightmares, intent on causing trouble. Can you imagine the scene with a volatile and agitated man who just wouldn't leave the couple alone, and when they left, he followed and attacked. Once more, we can only feel for the family and friends of Gary, who had to suffer so much with his loss, especially his dad Les, and of course, Rosie. As for Cory, as he lies in his prison cell as you listen to this, some will say it was just a fight. He didn't intend for Gary to die, and the sentence was overly strict. On this occasion, I can't agree. People like that cannot be allowed to intimidate and threaten the rest of us. I'm afraid I've got no sympathy at all on this occasion. It's bad enough when people throw punches. They know that that can lead to people being hurt and dying. But to attack with a bottle and then stamp on the body too? Well, I've got no sympathy for him whatsoever. Have you? Thank you for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Weekly Podcast. Please head to our Facebook group to discuss this story or any other aspect of UK true crime. You'll be more than welcome. And to support the show, please head to patreon.com slash UK true crime to find 36 full-length bonus episodes, videos and other exclusive content. And to order your food while you listen to these great content, Get yourself over to hellofresh.co.uk using the promo code TRUECRIME. So that is all for me for today. I'm going to make like a shepherd, get the flock out of here. And early this week, I was feeling a bit down. What did I watch? By accident, I hasten to add. The Venga Boys, getting on the Venga bus and party, party, party. It certainly cheered me up. So there we go. So that is all for me today. I'm off to catch the Venga bus and party, party, party. So until we speak again next week, relax, take it easy, be kind, and of course, despite all the others, stay classy. Cheerio. <laughs>